News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkist podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers. The city. I'm Harry Siegel, here with Katie Onan and Professor Christina Greer. Hello. Hey, Hi, Harry. Happy New Year and RIP 2022. Listeners, stick around to the end to hear about Katie taking the plunge. But first, let's dive into 2023 and just some of the news from another jam-packed week in New York City. Thank you, Harry. Uh, the New York Gaming Facility Board put out the application for what could be as many as three full casinos in the city, including a million-dollar application fee to try and nab a license with a minimum fee of $500 million, with applicants allowed to propose an even higher one. Also, Mayor Eric Adams said that the governor of Colorado, Democrat Jared Polis, had informed New York City on Monday that it's sending migrants here through nonprofit groups. Adams, in turn, said, quote, no more room at the inn here, unquote, and called it, quote, just unfair for local governments to have to take on this national obligation, end quote. Subway shooter Frank James also pleaded guilty to 10 counts of committing a terrorist attack against a mass transportation system for his N-train shooting last April that injured 10 people while miraculously killing nobody. And uh, New York's Assembly will decide later on Wednesday, uh, we're recording this Wednesday morning, whether or not to seat Lester Chang, a Republican who defeated a longtime incumbent in southern Brooklyn, uh, but who the Judiciary Committee then found after the election didn't, in fact, live in the borough as required. Uh, usually those things get, get litigated in court and in public opinion during the campaign. But now there's this uh, attempt to address it afterwards in what would be an unprecedented fashion. That's happening as newly elected Republican congressman and uh, liar George Santos had his swearing in delayed in Washington as he found himself literally running from members of the press and then sitting all by himself like sad kid on first day of school style. Um, on Tuesday, as uh, Republicans tried unsuccessfully to elect a House speaker in a sign of that party being at war with itself. And speaking of parties at war with themselves, New York's legislature, which maintained Democratic supermajorities in both houses, even as Governor Kathy Hochul leaked out a pretty narrow election win, just voted itself a pay raise to become the nation's highest paid state lawmakers. Uh, Hochul signed that, uh, even as uh, lawmakers are pressing her to withdraw her pick to weed the state's top court, uh, Hector LaSalle, with enough Democrats registering their objections to a nominee, they say, has shown conservative and anti-labor bias, it doesn't appear he could win confirmation without getting Republican support. So that's a standoff at the moment that may say a lot about uh, how strong the governor is and how strong the legislature is going into this new year and this new session. And with Eric Adams hoping for a reboot after not having so much success in Albany, though he denies that uh, in his first year in office. So we got a ton to discuss here. Chrissy, how was your holiday, and uh, what's at the top of your mind as we uh, begin this new year? Happy New Year to our listeners. Um, I think my my thoughts right now are with, you know, the new relationship between Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul. And so I think a lot of us are still reeling from the 
fractured and strained relationship between de Blasio and Cuomo and how New Yorkers essentially got nothing when the two of them were beefing. And so how will Adams negotiate with Hochul during some really, I think, increasingly tense times when it comes to economics and sort of how much New York State is going to be able to give the city? I do think that, you know, we've said this before, Harry, in the podcast, with Kathy Hochul and sometimes not having the best advice around her and, and sort of sometimes biting off more than she could chew. But I don't know why she would choose uh, this judge fight as her first big fight as an elected governor. It makes no sense. You know, she's got relatively goodwill with Democrats across the state. Why are you going to choose identity politics with someone who Democrats, by and large, do not support? And so I'm curious to see which state senators are going to be very vocal in rejecting uh Judge LaSalle for such an important position, especially since Hochul campaigned the entire time throughout the state about how she was a pro-choice governor, how New York would be a pro-choice state. You don't want to choose someone as your first huge judicial nominee as someone who's anti-choice, period, dot end. I don't care if they're black, white, you know, Latino or whatever it may be. So, you know, don't create obstacles that aren't there. I think we've said that, you know, that was de Blasio's famous sort of modus operandi. Uh, I think Eric says a touch, Eric Adams has a touch of that as well. But Kathy Hochul, you know, you're creating a headache for yourself when you have enough potential headaches, because we haven't even talked about Buffalo and the 40 lives lost. We haven't talked about that is her home city and the class and racial divisions and the lost lives lost due to that horrendous storm, you know. And we're in Queens while, 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 while the storm came down. You know, you can get exhausted with Cuomo's governor of action photo ops and whatnot, but I can't imagine him in Queens as that starting. Absolutely. Like you figure out a way. And especially these are your people, ostensibly. So I think that, you know, don't overplay your hand, Kathy Hochul. You eked in a victory by 6%. Like people will remember this in four years. Um, You know, I think there are enough Latino voters and legislators who think that Judge LaSalle is a bad call. I think that, you know, there are a lot of African-Americans who feel very neglected by the winter storm uh, last week. Uh, and we still haven't really seen a robust response uh, from Kathy Hochul. And, either way. and you can't keep hiding behind. I chose an Afro-Latino as my lieutenant governor for cover. That's old business. So what are we doing in 2023 is going to be what I'm looking for. You know, I was pretty impressed with her, relatively speaking, when she was appointed, you know, and had to move from lieutenant governor to governor. And I thought she steadied the ship. I've been very clear about that. I thought that she was exponentially better than Lee Zeldin, who, you know, was a Trump supporting January 6th insurrectionist supporting gubernatorial candidate. But she needs to get her head in the game if we're going to have a good 2023 together. And I think that, you know, Eric Adams is savvy enough to sort of find some weakness points and possibly exploit them if he can get himself together and actually communicate with the press in a productive manner. You don't get to wind back the game of musical chairs and like play it out again. <laughs> yes. But so, so putting Brian Benjamin aside, which was the terrible decision to start Hochul's first partial term in office prior to winning this term of her own. And that's a big uh, aside. It is a big aside. Uh, but in, in tapping Delgado then to become uh Lieutenant governor, that created the game of musical chairs that resulted in part, along with new maps and other things, in Democrats getting 
walloped in competitive congressional races here, even while they held on to the supermajorities in the, the state legislature. So, I mean, that had a lot of weird tertiary consequences and pulling mm-hmm. someone out of a, of a seat he was pretty well equipped to defend and then leading to lots of other people switching races to try to fill in from there. Katie, Eric Adams said he had a pretty good first year in Albany. Uh, I'm not I'm Aaron not Judge sure. year, but I forget why. I forget why. Because, but is wasn't that not Aaron Judge's rookie year? I get confused. No, I'm confused. He always he says this is going to be his Aaron Judge year. Ah, I, I'm back with you. I'm back with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, then so I'm Eric like, Adams, but why? You, were you going to hit 61 home runs or whatever he did? I get very. You know, the mayor often repeats, um, I will point out once, you know, all the reporters who had to sit down with the mayor, we all asked him for a great, we all thought we were geniuses and asking him for his self grade. And he all gave us the same grade, a B plus. And I thought, wouldn't it have been funny if he gave us all different grades for himself just to mm. keep in the, um, <laughs> for the humor of it? Like, wait, you told Mike Gartland, you gave yourself a C minus. But anyway, Eric Adams, second year in office, I think going off what we just said, his relationship with Albany. Right. That's an, a, a large thing to look at. But his relationship with Kathy Hochul, he has been um, obviously he's been very critical of bail reform. Kathy Hochul, where she stands on it and, and what he can convince her to do. I think now that she's elected, I think the mayor will be an even louder critic of bail reform. I don't know if if some deal was struck or whatever, but if you notice going um, into the primary election in November, Mayor Adams didn't talk about it as much as he had. Um, I like to he, think of he went Pat out of his Hoke. way. He started talking yeah. about the many rivers rather rather than the one river he'd been highly focused exactly. on to that point. You know, it is funny to imagine Kathy Hochul calling up Eric Adams and like threatening him to not talk about bail reform anymore. Um, but yeah, I think we'll look into that and, and and see how that works, how it works with the legislature as a whole. And also look a lot of what the mayor has proposed looking at his mental health initiative, which you've done a lot of episodes on, it requires a lot of buy-in from the state legislature. So um, what that's going to look like, I, I saw today political reported that Diane Savino, we knew she was coming to the, um, to the administration as a senior advisor, but she's going to be working on some Albany issues. So we'll see going forward in the next couple months is in particular, the next couple months, how this relationship will play out, how often the mayor will go to Albany. He was criticized last year for really not going up that often um, and, and not meeting with people. I think um, even Carl Hasty recently, and now I forget where, but he said, um, which is funny to think about. He goes, the mayor just waved at me at Somos. We didn't talk. Um, so it's funny to think of like the petty, <clears throat> the petty stuff that like regular people might have. Like, you know, I saw, I saw him at the party and he just waved at me. He didn't really talk to me. It's um, maybe scarier when it plays out uh, with people uh, in power like that. Katie, I got a question for you, though, with the Diane sure. Savino stuff. And, you know, because I'm the Forrest Gump of New Yorkers, I used to work for Diane Savino when uh, she was political director at Local 371. And this I is a first. I did not know. Cor- you didn't know? That? Oh, listen, I like I'm literally connected to every single random New Yorker. Um, I was a Coro fellow. There you go. And worked for her uh, in the spring of 2001, right before 9-11. Um, but did Adams want or does Adams want Diane in Albany because she's had a career in Albany? You know, she's 
worked across the aisle and she can just be another set of eyes and ears for him in a very specific way so he doesn't have to spend as much time in Albany. I mean, he was a state senator many moons ago, and so we know that the town has changed quite a bit since he was there. But since she's just been there, she wasn't the most progressive legislator in the Democratic caucus. She did caucus with IDC folks and Republicans quite robustly. So is Adams banking on Savino essentially being a mini Adams for him in Albany? Um, I'm not going to say a lobbyist, but someone who's able to lobby and cajole other Democrats um, when he's not there and on his behalf. Yeah. You know, I'm sure like, <clears throat> Mayor Adams, as we've discussed previously, is is really loyal. I mean, I guess who isn't, right? An elected official, you ideally want to reward the people who supported you. So I think back to the primary night party in 2021. It was at some bar in Williamsburg, if I recall. And everyone who was on stage with him, that front row, Lori Cumbo, Adonis Rodriguez, Diane Savino, they've all found their way into the administration. So I think, yeah, I think he trusts Diane um, and he obviously wants her to work with the state legislatures to push his agenda in Albany. And, you know, Mayor Adams, he's a Democrat, but like he's he's certainly not a liberal Democrat. He would say, what did he, I think he said once he was the first um progressive or something. Um, but a lot of his views don't align with what we consider a progressive Democrat now. Um, and Diane Savino obviously was an IDC member. Um, and a lot of people would not consider her very progressive, but this is what he's, you know, he's stacking these roles to, for people to work on his agenda and what that agenda will be clearly something with the bail reform, um, political reporter that Diane will be working with Ingrid Lewis Martin. So we'll see what their agenda is, what they want to push. Um, but yeah, you know, he's rewarding the people who supported him and backed him. And, you know, I guess you could say deliver votes for him. So that's what we're going to see. And Diane obviously stepped down as state senator, but she she will be going back up to Albany in some, I don't know how often you go up when you have a job like that. Right. And I mean, I think also it's just, that's just politics, right? I mean, rewarding people who supported you isn't anything that's unique to No, I mean, why would you, I would do that too. If I had a bunch of people who helped me become mayor, I'd be, you know what? I'd hire my sister too. Why not? She needs a job. Why can't she get a job? <laughs> right. Right. So what I what I keep coming back to here is uh, you held off Eric Adams on the bail reform stuff until after the election. I'm very skeptical that bail reform is the answer to anything. But but positing that that, that Eric Adams and uh, Commissioner Sewell and Phil Banks and others think it is, um, then you have this election. Uh, Democrats have a special session at the very end of 2020. What year was this? What year is it now? Oh, no. This is 2022 now? We're 2023. Oh, man. All right. So at the very end of 2022, thank you, last year, Democrats have this special session to get themselves a pay raise because the sooner they do that, the, the, the sooner it kicks in and the calendar year matters. This is when the newly elected governor presumably has leverage. And reportedly, she said, can we can we go back to bail reform? And lawmakers who kept their supermajorities said, no. Adams has all these other issues on his agenda. He said he needs more help from the federal government and the state with uh, migrants who are arriving. He's got this ambitious mental health agenda that, that, that uh, he can't accomplish without changes in Albany. 
And Ockel just signed off on this raise for these lawmakers who are also blocking her pick to be the new uh, chief judge of the Court of Appeals, New York's highest court. So, I, I, I mean, this seems like a moment of maximum leverage where nothing is happening. And I start to wonder with the with the moderate executives, if you will, Adams and Hochul, uh, if anyone here can play this game or when they think they're going to be able to accomplish some of the, the changes to the law that they keep arguing are needed. We have a very powerful governor and lots of our lawmaking actually gets done in the budget season. That's coming up. We're going to have the uh, state of the state next week where Hochul is laying out her big agenda, including a massive number, she says, of new uh, new housing units in New York over the next 10 years. We don't know the details yet. But I do not see why the farther left Democrats who control the legislature and the city council, by the way, have any reason to give ground, having maintained their positions largely and having maintained their strength against uh, like moderates who, in Hochul's case at least, get sort of passively elected because the Republican is unacceptable, as opposed to because she has any affirmative agenda of her own. She can now say, I have a mandate for and push and, and, and leverage. Uh, it, just, it seems like a very unfocused year to, to, to start with. In a state that is not overwhelmingly blue, but is dominated by by Democrats for these executives to actually uh, get anything done or, or show that they have control over their, their their own agendas. Yeah, but I think we always have to remember, Harry, that there's so many shades of blue in New York and the progressive members can't overplay their mm-hmm. hands. You know, that's that's a small subset of New Yorkers especially New York Democrats. There are a lot of people who think they're way more blue than they are. So I think Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams understand that, yes, we both carry the mantle of big D Democrats, but there are a lot of New Yorkers. And I'm saying not just New York State, but also in New York City who aren't to the far left of the spectrum. So they do have concerns about, you know, whether it's bail reform or Rikers or the amount of affordable housing. I think, you know, as I've said before, a lot of these, you know, quote unquote, liberal Democrats like all these ideas in theory. It's just when the NIMBY issue comes in, not in my backyard or never in my backyard, then that's where the rubber hits the road. And I do think that this is what makes it so interesting for me in 2023. And I said this to Ben Max in the Gotham Gazette, sort of what are we looking for? You know, I think the relationship between Hochul and Adams is so fascinating because both of them are moderate Democrats who understand the diversity of the Democratic Party in New York, in New York City and New York State. And whereas de Blasio was this progressive Democrat and Cuomo was this he didn't know what he was. I mean, he just when it was, you know, he fancied himself as a progressive Democrat, even though he acted with and on behalf of moderates and sometimes conservatives. But I think this time we're dealing with two Democrats in good faith who are like, I'm a moderate, right? Uh, moderate leaning conservative, even though every now and again, you know, Adams will, will do something that, you know, surprises all of us and it seems a little progressive and we're, you know, shocked and clutching our pearls because he'll slide across the spectrum and give himself a B plus. So I think this is where we have to remember that a lot of these conversations about what we want, what all the progressive values that we want as New Yorkers, some of them are in theory and a lot of them are just, um, they feel good to, to people to say, 
But when it's like, so do you want all these new immigrants coming to your children's school or your neighborhood? Then all of a sudden it's hand wringing and, well, I'm concerned about, you know, it's like, yes, you want them in New York, but just you don't want to see them or experience them in any capacity. So I think we just need to have real conversations. And I think that that's what I'm finding so interesting and fascinating about Hochul and Adams is that they're kind of forcing all of the diverse Democrats to confront some of these issues. And it's uncomfortable because we actually have to put a stake in the sand and say, how much do we believe in these issues and these values? And where are we actually on this spectrum when these issues are coming literally to our communities? I, I Well, one thing I want to point out, you know, seeing, I think when it was um, Ron DeSantis and um, Greg Abbott, two Republican governors, uh, Texas and, well, Florida and Texas in that order, um, when they were bringing migrants here on buses, a lot of, what do I call them? The blue wave Twitter folks or whatever. That was acceptable to them. But then when it was Democrat Mayor El Paso, now a Democrat from, Democratic governor from Colorado sending people, you know, it kind of becomes a a crisis that doesn't have politics. I mean, everything is political, right? But it's not the same sort Mm -hmm. of... it wasn't as perfect for some people who who sometimes I think just think strictly politically and not um, practically about, okay, well, this is a, a, a true crisis and everyone's overwhelmed, Republican and Democrat. And yeah, a lot of what Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott were doing were horrible uh, political stunts, um, sending, you know, migrants to Martha's Vineyard and all that. But uh, But obviously you have issues in other cities and states where people, they don't have the space for it. And they know New York has a right to shelter law. Um, and that is why Eric Adams has been very critical of the lack of what he says is the lack of national help. He wanted a lot more money than he got from President Joe Biden. Um, even right before Christmas, there was this sort of question of would they reopen some of the hercs, as they call them, these migrant tents that they set up, you know, first on at Orchard Beach, then on Randall's Island, then they took it down. Will they reset it? Will they rebuild it? So there's a lot of concern. But yeah, you know, I think the play of we saw it in the November election. Um, people who were shocked that Lee Zeldin did that well, I think, are not really in tune with voters, right? And it's Democratic voters. It's not, you can't win an election with just registered Republicans. But, um, you know, I think people forget that a lot of times people can vote outside of their party. You know, I also think when you're in a bubble and you only talk to the same people or you're looking at Twitter, it's like, you don't know. There's plenty of people who, to them, they are liberal Democrats on a lot of issues, but they cast about for Lee Zeldin because they thought, look, I have very specific concerns. You could say concerns about crime are overblown or the media is uh, lying to you and this, and they're playing up the crime, but that's how people feel. So if they see someone who's like, look, they don't care about his stance on Trump or his stance on the insurrection on January 6th at the Capitol. And they're just thinking, this is who, and I think I've said this before, they're like, this is who's in charge right now. I'm not happy. Let's try someone new. Um, but yeah, the, the, how Hochul and Adams will work together this year, especially the first six months of the year until we get a city budget. And also, I mean, you know, this is for another conversation, but how Adams will interact with the city council, obviously, as we're getting into budget season, we'll see how that all plays out and, and what it means to be a Democrat and, and who and, and all the different people within that party. The big difference between what uh, Abbott, while running for re-election himself, and DeSantis same, uh, had been, and actually to some extent have continued doing with 
busing migrants up here and what uh, uh, Paulus and uh, uh, Democratic governors and mayors have done is that the Republicans were going out of their way not to inform New York City about the migrants right. that were coming. So that each bus was a surprise and there were a lot of them. Uh, whereas Adams said that Colorado was doing this and he knew because the state gave a heads up. Um, we're going to be sending buses here for people who've arrived here, but don't intend for this to be their final destination. It's, some of them are heading to New York because of the right to shelter. Others because they have family uh, uh, or, or, you know, people in the area who can put them up, all sorts of reasons. Um, but that's totally different from how this has been politically framed. And so Adams keeps talking about this as a national issue. And obviously we have a, a Democratic president. Um at the moment, we have Democrats in control of both the uh, Senate and the House, although obviously that's about to change in the House if Republicans ever manage to get it whatsoever together. <laughs> uh, what's and, going and, on? I don't know what's going on down there. <laughs> but but th th that's just a much harder issue for Democrats to campaign on when 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 you have all sorts of people who are looking to move this migrant population that you know especially if you have a right to shelter as new york city uniquely does but just generally if you're going to behave with any decency demands expensive uh support for people who are coming in uh obviously whatever happens with title 42 is still looming there are lots of other countries where that's not relevant and it does seem to me that this is an issue that is likely to end up as something mayors have to deal with and they're going to call for national help. Adams, here, here is a place he's really going to push Hochul if more people are arriving is what what, what can the state do? Well, he's already blasted Biden. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think that that relationship is a little different than the one that is a direct relationship with Kathy Hochul. So I think the blasting is possibly going to look different and a little more strategic. I think it might have been strategic with with, with Biden, too. Um you know, he hasn't, he hasn't continuously blasted him. He's actually he's taken pains mm -hmm. a lot of the time to say this is a national issue as opposed to what is the president doing. Uh, but 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 mm -hmm. plainly, he feels like he's been sort of left to do his own devices here for, for, for what is, I, I think, fundamentally a national issue. And the, the New York has stepped mm -hmm. up and the Herks were, were a little absurd. Adams can be very frustrating. But to to his credit, you know, he has said, like, we have this right to shelter. We're going to do right by people here. They have actually worked through imperfectly but like the logistics of this in advance and then you know you get yelled at on one end like why why are you building these tents here and this is the wrong place and you're such a fool and then you get yelled at again what was the expense when you didn't need the, the tents but this is you know making an effort investing time and money and trying to uh to, to work out some answers and, and get ahead of things and do so without clarity about what the the state the feds or anyone else is going to provide or who's coming I don't know. I think this may end up being the issue that defines uh, a 2023 in New York. We'll see. I agree with you, Harry. And I think it, it, it could be an issue that really does define the communication style between Adams and Hochul as well. Katie, last word here. Me? Yep. <laughs> you got it. You got it. What, what, so, so no take backs. What is going to define New York and its politics in 2023? You know, I can't make it's hard to make predictions because I feel like if I make a prediction, then some, something huge and un, and surprising happens tomorrow that alters the rest of the year. Um, but this is such a corny cliche, but it's sort of maybe and he would argue that it hasn't been a honeymoon. But I think year two of Mayor Adams 
it's like, okay, well, you had your probationary year, if we want to use whatever, like your first year. Now there's B plus. B, you had your B solid B plus year. I think now um, his relationship with speaker Adrian Adams, he always jokes it's the Adams mm. and, and Adams law firm. They went to high school together, which I find, if, again, is if it was on in a fictional thing, we would say it was fake. Um, but I think that will change. Um, he's, it would be better if they even went to prom together. He, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that would that would be the movie version. <laughs> now, now this is the FAQ fan fiction <laughs> section. Litter, <laughs> the, um, litter, uh, New York City politics fan fiction. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that obviously there are plenty of council members who've been incredibly openly critical of the mayor and, and he to them even before they took, I, I think it was December mm-hmm. 2021, they were feuding. Um, but seeing how that plays out, I think I think it will be Eric Adams's relationships with lawmakers. Not that it isn't always a story, but I think that will be the defining story. Even his relationship to national Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. he's and, continu- and local Republicans, right? And local like- Republicans. He continues to be very critical of President Biden, um, al- although he one time called himself the Joe Biden of New York City. Um, but yeah, seeing how it plays out from the council chambers to where's Congress? Where are they? What do they call that? The House? I don't understand D.C., so I don't... Yeah, so seeing it all play out, um, that will be the story. So... Harry and Katie, I do have a question, though, since you two are my favorite jobs. <laughs> um, what Adams gave himself a B plus, what grade would you two give Adams for his first year in office? It's hard because... It's a, <laughs> Harry's just staring at No, me. <laughs> it depends on what... Um, my camera's off, so Chrissy can't see what my face looks like. Um, I... Oof. Can I can I decline to say? I mean, it's hard. It depends on the specific issue. Um, I respected his solid B well, plus I mean, because I feel like I was always, I was always like a B minus student, but C because he still passes. But there's still a lot of work. I think a lot of things there are improvements with. Um, I think the mayor's relationship to the city, obviously, after eight years of Bill De Blasio, a lot of times it seemed like he wasn't interested in things. And the mayor, at least, he's definitely out there. Um, I think he did address a lot of people's crime fears, but then again, um, he maybe created some of those fears. Um, but I think people look, I I have to think like the real person, the person who's not tapped in, maybe the person not listening to this podcast, but someone, I think the, the average New Yorker will, will be a lot more generous in their ranking of him because they're thinking, you know what? I see more cops in the subway. Um, I hear crime is down. He is a really charming guy. He's all over, you know, especially he goes to so many different events. That person's ranking of him and grade for him might be a little bit higher. Because they're also, I think, the average New Yorker is going to give someone more of a shot and and, and at least a longer time to get things going. But I'll give him a C. And that's, look, I got many Cs in my grade, in my time in school. So I'm not even saying that a C is that bad. But that's what I'm giving him. Okay. Harry, I I, I don't a, like the letter grades. Did Harry thing. just give him it? No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't like the letter grade thing. It is tricky. It, I always it's it's a little unfair to mayors that they do have to answer and navigate that question all the time. I'd say a B. Um, look, he wasted, in my view, his first year in a lot of ways. He did not get a ton out of Albany. It's the one year where you have a lot of leverage when the legislature and the governor are about to be running. 
And he actually, he got hurt in Albany a number of ways. He didn't get significant parts of, of the agenda he wanted. Uh, there was this class size cap that, that he fought hard against and said was going to cost an unreasonable uh, amount of money. Um, and he, he, his former colleagues uh, and, and, you know, new lawmakers were clearly not impressed with that operation. And he doesn't get that back. Um, in terms of the, the the shootings and murder numbers going in the wrong direction, in the right direction down and uh, by the end of the year, and having all these cops on the trains for people like that and polling shows most New Yorkers do, I mean, that's really expensive. That's a ton of overtime. Uh, the cops are actually resentful about, you know, and like 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 working weird and exhaustion hours. And you see them like stand, staring on their phones at platforms, like whatever. That's not something you can keep up that way. There is this very interesting, almost arguably you could call like some sort of inverted broken windows thing where crime and murder, uh, where murders and shootings are down significantly from 2021 when they were way up from before the pandemic, but way down, notably down from last year, but everything else is up a lot. And this question of whether there is now some split between the most um, uh, you know, violent and fatal crimes and the rest of them in which He's not actually doing the the policing of those things and of maintenance and quality of life issues that the, the, the people have all sorts of different opinions about, but is succeeding at this one point of focus and having put together the gun unit back together and all this other stuff. I think Adams is very smart and very active and really wants to do well. And that he knows a lot more about the levers of power now than he did when he started. And that's always a learning curve and an adjustment. But he doesn't get that first year back. Um, and it, he is, the the bar for, for success now is even higher, where we're not going to have lots of federal aid coming in like we got during the pandemic, the papered over fiscal problems, where they're going to be difficult choices to be to be made. And without pools of money, for instance, to put those cops on trains. I'm really hopeful that he is correct that his first year was the learning year. He is ready and fully up for this job now, and he's going to see New York through some some tough times ahead. It's going to be challenging. Chrissy, you, you asked, uh, do you want to answer your own question as well? <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I respect the fact that, you know, folks don't like the letter grade as a professor. <laughs> that's, you know, this isn't Hampshire. I got to I got to <laughs> give kids letters, you know, like I can't just write about feelings. I got to, I can do that as well. But, um, but here's the thing when, with the frustrating part about being a professor, and I'm sure teachers who are listening know this feeling too. You have a student who's doing okay throughout the semester. And then for their final project, they just blow it off. Right. Um, I had a few students this semester who did that where it's like, okay, you're rocking like a B, B minus. But if you give me a strong final, then we might be able to work and bump that up to a B plus, you know, based on the percentages. But I had a few this semester, and I, I think it might be COVID and just, you know, a whole bunch of other things that kids are struggling with. But they just, one student just didn't hand in a final, and another one, just a few others, just the finals just weren't strong. So they went from a B, B minus to like a C because the final actually worked against them. And that's, that's not the, the intent based on how I do percentages. Uh, the final is supposed to kind of help you just in case you had some struggles throughout the semester. And so for me, I think my frustration with Adams is that I would have given him maybe like a B minus, um, throughout the first year. You know, obviously I still think way too much money goes to the NYPD. I did like the fact that he is like the biggest New York cheerleader. It does seem like he wants to be here. It does seem like he's still trying to figure out 
uh, policy positions for all New Yorkers. You know, again, we can talk about rats and we can talk about rats, but like that's about a half a million New Yorkers who can sleep easy knowing that the mayor is actually thinking about these things. So, you know, he's not fighting with the governor. He's trying to figure out, you know, a whole bunch of things. I think, you know, obviously Rikers is an albatross that you know no one's going to figure out in 20 seconds, but at least it's on the table in ways that, you know, de Blasio kept kicking down the the curb. So, but he hasn't resolved it. And so, you know, this is where, this is where the B minus C plus is coming in. I think my grade goes down because right at the end of the semester in December, we have this libraries issue and we have the fact that Rikers hasn't been resolved. And we have this issue, you know, like there are all these issues that I care about specifically um, that I think Adams just didn't address. I mean, I can't like, as I said before, a few weeks ago, I can't get over the defunding of the libraries. I can't knowing that we have so many students who need libraries, knowing that we have so many immigrants who are coming to the city who will literally need a library to like help make their, their lives. We could be, we could be helping to plant a foundation for all the future leaders of New York city and this country and the world through the New York public library system. I don't understand why we would take money out of that system. So I think I would have gone into this conversation with like a strong B minus. And now I'm like a strong C, C minus. Also one other thing I'll add, and obviously to the mayor, it was just the media was being harsh on him and he's mourning the death of his mother and, and grieving and wanting to get away. But like, what bothers me as a reporter, and obviously I take it personally because like I I literally asked him if the mayor's in New York City and I was sort of gaslit by being told I was sort of crazy for even asking. That was on Thursday. But that I think doesn't help his case either of, you know, you go on vacation secretly and then there's this big storm and obviously you have the right to take a vacation, but you weren't transparent about it after promising to be transparent and then lashing out at certain reporters for asking. Um it becomes very complicated because it, it, I don't know. That's sort of what what maybe made my grade a C. Um, no one cares that you're on vacation, but it's it's the lying about it, and then the, or not the the lie by omission. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's the how dare you ask me? And you know, asking another reporter like, are your parents a lie? Like you know, it it just becomes personal in a way that shouldn't be. Um, I think that marked my C. For me, just wanted to add that to that. I, I agree with you. It was sort of like 11 months, and then by December, um, you have the fighting with the council talking about discretionary money and all that kind of stuff. So, that we'll see, we'll see if he can improve his grade before. But I feel bad for your students, Chrissy. You know, I understand blowing off a final assignment in class. You know, I mean, not to sort of detract too much, but that's one of the most frustrating parts as a professor because it's like, you know, my dad's mantra to us, my sister and me, when we were growing up, is always run through the tape. And it's just so disappointing when you have a student who's tried throughout the semester and then like the last week and a half of school, they just run out of steam and they give up. And like, I can't give you a grade. It's not fair to give you a grade based on work you didn't produce. Um when your classmates did produce it. So it's like, had you just run through the tape? We could have had a different result. Anyway. Um, so that's, yeah. There we that's go. our 2023 mantra. Run through the tape. Run through the tape. Run through it. Run through the tape. 
My mantra is sunshine and empanadas, but that's a different mm. conversation for a different podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> F-A-Q. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of The City, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We're also headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and are a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at popula.com. Our hosts this episode were me, Christina Greer, Katie Honan, and Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us and making it this far. Happy 2023. Be kind, be well, and we'll be back soon with more. Oh, hey, did you did you wind up doing the swim on New Year's Day? Oh, I dipped. I'm a double dipper. I went in twice. How long do you stay in for when you do that? So I'm not I'm not wearing booties or gloves. Uh, I, you know, stay in for like a minute. Right. Um, You have to go under. That's our block rule. I think if I was wearing booties or gloves, I could probably spend like eight minutes in the water. Damn. It's and without going under like it's the extremities, you know, but the water temperature was like 40s in the. I saw someone say it was in the low 30s, but I don't think that's true. I, my neighbor who I who swims all the time told me it was 47 and I trusted him, although I didn't verify. So, um, but, you know, I've done it years where it's been really cold, um, though there have been years when it was like, you know, in the teens. I just did not go. I mean, I'm not going to try to act like I'm so hardcore that I'm going to go in the water at like 18 degrees air temperature because that's what gets you. Like if you go in the water, it's that I actually had a, a year where the water was so rough, I for a second, like I got knocked over by a wave and my body was just, I couldn't really move. So that's the scary part, but. Ooh. Yeah. Well, that's a, what I was wondering about is like, are there people there who are adequately adept that they'll be able to pull you out? Or is it just like everybody's an amateur just running in and possibly dying? Right. I mean, where I go in Rockaway and there are a lot of different blocks in Rockaway that do it. We don't have what you see on Coney Island where you have like, um, I guess it's the FDNY little scuba teams out there or or they make like a protective, they kind of make a circle of where to go. But I also trust, you know, plenty of my neighbors are medical professionals in their own way, firefighters or lifeguards or something. So no one's gonna, we haven't had anyone drown yet. So then <laughs> I think if I, if I were to like get knocked over, someone would say, where'd Katie go? Um, but it is fun and invigorating and it was, it was really frighteningly warm on New Year's Day. We ended up hanging out on the beach for a bit, um, afterwards and it was sort of felt like spring, which it feels nice, but it's also scary.